Well, welcome back, everybody. You know, as I was preparing for today's podcast, the expression cream always rises to the top kept coming to the top of mind, and you're going to see why shortly. My guest today is Jim Chilton, an award-winning CIO who serves as the group chief technology officer of the Cengage Group, an innovative disruptor in the ed tech space. As a business and technology executive, Jim leverages his unique experiences to drive innovation and optimize technology throughout the, the entire company. Cengage is a very interesting and innovative company. They're Boston-based and a true industry disruptor that we should all know and care about. So Jim, welcome to the show, and please tell us about the Cengage Group and why this company matters. Dan, good to see you. Thrilled to be here. And um, Cengage Group matters for a number of really important reasons. And I think that I'll start with the company was built more than 100 years ago with the intention of helping people learn. And at the time, it was learn about accounting, learn about business. And if you fast forward to where we are today is that we teach people all kinds of things. And so whether it's our Milady brand that teaches about cosmetology or InfoSec Institute, where we teach about cybersecurity, um, or if you move to our traditional higher education, where we provide some of the best published textbooks on the planet to higher education or our National Geographic learning for K through 12. And then, of course, our English language training program. So you name it, Dan, that if it's to be a subject about teaching and learning and helping people advance their careers to get to a place they want to be, that's what Cengage Group does. And um, I'm proud to be uh, proud to be part of that story. Well, we're going to get deeper into that story. It's a really good one. You and I have been friends for a long time, and this this podcast is long overdue, Jim. So thanks for uh, your patience with me. And uh, we've broken bread a few times in uh, the great town of Hollis, New Hampshire, which uh, like one of the most picturesque, quintessential New England little towns you've ever seen. So, uh, uh, you know, Jim, one of the things we do on the show, as you know, is we we like to engage some people who know you well. We call them mystery questioners. and you know, Cengage being an ed tech company, I want to get you talking about how technology is helping Cengage innovate, you know, and be positioned as an industry leader and a disruptor. The things you're doing are pretty impressive, pretty incredible. So let's call in our first uh, mystery questioner who will help us shape that question for you. Great. One of the things I'm most interested in, in Jim's work is how he thinks about moving a large company that had great success in a previous technological paradigm and previous media paradigm into a very different new technological and media paradigm. It's, I think, one of the greatest challenges for chief technology people in industries that are being rapidly disrupted. And I'd love to hear Jim talk about how he thinks about helping his current company or large companies in general continue to play to their strengths and mitigate their weaknesses and evolve and change what their strengths and weaknesses are as the technical environment that they operate in and that their customers operate in are changing in really dramatic ways. That's a media one, Joe. Who's, who's that? Oh, I love that. That's Josh Rebel. Um, and Josh is the CEO of uh, Dreamscape Learn, um, for which I am on the board of. And um, yeah, Josh is fabulous. The team is fabulous. Um, they are creating a company that was um, 
focused on learning, but with virtual reality in mind. So it's an immersive learning experience where you're taking not just any individual, but the entire classroom and professor into a learning experience. And it is um, Dreamscape doing some amazing stuff. And uh, Josh working with a gentleman named Walter Parks, which people should Google. Um, you know, Walter created Men in Black and he created the original Dreamscape um, theater experience with um, his friend, Steven Spielberg. So great history behind what they're doing. And um, right now, this group is working with um, Michael Crow and Arizona State University to build these experiences and sell it to other schools, both K-12 and higher ed throughout the uh, country. And um, just amazing experience. They're doing something incredible. The efficacy of adding virtual reality and an immersive experience, I like to say is that virtual field trip. And if you remember field trips, which everybody does, right? Everybody that went on a field trip, whether it's 20 years ago or 30 years ago, you remember where you went, the bus ride, all of those things. And this is the same, same idea. You go into these environments and Dan, you are there with your classmates and it is just like a virtual field trip, except for you are part of it. You get to know the characters, you get to care about this and some real experts in instructional design have done some amazing things with this around biology already. So um, super interesting stuff. And I think it leads to the challenge that Josh left me in his message, which is how do you take that incredible new modality of learning and drag it back into these hundred year old textbook companies? And I think the first thing is proud to be on their board, but even prouder to be part of a team that had the foresight to see this as a good investment. Cengage invested in this company. We believe in the future. We believe in having a new view in how education can and should occur. And I think so step one to Josh's question is to do exactly what Cengage Group has done by becoming part of that community and looking beyond the boundaries of the traditional learning experiences. And I know that we're doing and continue to do lots of that inside of Cengage Group. Um, so I think if I was to pick one area that would be worth exploring is as we continue down our journey around artificial intelligence and what we're doing to help both students and instructors is that we're piloting some projects um, out there today that have some really interesting ways on how we engage. And we don't do it in the way that some people are out there where we're not using artificial intelligence to give students answers to questions. The idea of the business we're in is about supporting critical and analytical thinking, not replacing it. So the tutors and the work that we do is about assisting instructors in places where they want and they need instructional assistance and what other tasks and duties do instructors have where we can help them with technology. And then separately on the student side is how do we help them with technology towards solving problems and understanding the next step? So if you ask our chatbots, we're not, quite frankly, we will not give the answer. We will give the next step and we will help them. And our chatbots are specifically experts on our materials, our textbook for that specific class. So we very dialed into how we will make our technology work to support learn learning. Um, so those are two ways to answer Josh's question. One, investing in companies like his and what new modalities of learning investing in new ways of how we support the learning experience with technology, not replacing it.
what a great question uh, from a from a great colleague. So thank you, Josh, for that. And I think it kind of sets up my next question. A little side sidebar here first. You know, Jim, as I was preparing for our time together, the expression "the cream always rises to the top" kept coming to my mind. I, I just couldn't. I just every time I would pick up your podcast, and so when I researched this, I learned that since the 16th century, the term cream has always referred to the best. So think cream of the crop, okay? So we've all heard the French expression, la creme de la creme, which translate to the cream of the cream, okay? So then John Paul Warren was the one who said, cream always rises to the top, so do good leaders. And so that's why I kept thinking about you, Jim. I, I, had, to, I had to dig into this and figure this out. And I think it's just the perfect setup to... Um, have you talked about the different hats that you wear? Because you've you've got like an incredible job. I mean, uh, I was teasing a couple of executive recruiters on the last podcast. If you've seen one CIO job description, you've seen one CIO job description, right? So yours is pretty unique. So tell us about the different hats you're wearing. Yeah, so it's been a um, it's been an incredible journey here at Cengage, and um, you know, I joined the company as the uh, the CIO. I'm currently serving as the CTO, and um, you know, part of that journey was just the creation of how we leverage technology throughout the enterprise and all the ways that the team and I can go help us support the journey of Cengage Group and all of our component companies. And so I mentioned some of them earlier, but each of them have their own unique mission and objective. And as technology evolves, it's our job of the team to help make that possible and to help make sure that we're leading with our front foot and that we're becoming efficient as we go through that process as well. Um, like you and I have talked about, I've also had some incredible opportunities in my seven-year time at Cengage. One of them worth talking about is when we acquired a cybersecurity training company called InfoSec Institute. And, um, you know, by a series of unfortunate events is that, um, you know, we ended up with a organization we had acquired that uh, didn't have its founder with them anymore. And so as a result of that, you know, the the president, um, you know, Michael Hansen um, had asked me to step in and lead that organization. And um, I proudly accepted an amazing team over at InfoSec Institute. I think you were just talking to one of them recently. Um, just an amazing group of people. Um, this is a company that's been around for about 20 years. They are experts at teaching people about cybersecurity. You know, some of the best in the uh, the country. Um, so when you think about government agencies, that's where they go to get trained is this little company, you know, headquartered originally out in um, Wisconsin. And so I, I took on that role as the uh, general manager for that business unit and stayed with it for about 18 months until we hired someone who could step in and replace me. And um, Brett is the uh, the new the new general manager doing an amazing job with an amazing team. And um, yeah, I I'm thrilled about the opportunities I get, whether it's, you know, being on the board seat for Dreamscape Learn, like we talked about earlier, or be the general manager for one of our cybersecurity divisions, or being the CTO is that, you know, um, Michael Hansen and the executive team are, have been fabulous at continuing to throw challenges my way. Um, the same idea with what we've done with artificial intelligence and me leading a team of incredible technologists and business leaders at Cengage as we started to embark on this journey more than a year ago. So there's no lack of opportunity that I have been given at this company. And I think to your point, that's what makes each of these roles so incredibly interesting is those opportunities beyond 
the traditional barriers or that um, some people put around the CIO or CTO. Yeah, not many barriers for you. You're given uh, pigeonholed in any way, Jim. We'll, we'll kind of get to that, how that happens to people. But I mean, by my calculations, you were doing three full-time roles at one point. You know, the CIO, original, the CTO, additional, and uh, then this, uh, this InfoSec role, general manager. And somehow you, you're one of those people who just thrives when you're, over, when you're just loaded, loaded up. I appreciate that, Dan. I think the, the key thing there is that three incredible sets of teams of people that I had the pleasure to work with. And um, I can absolutely not take all credit. It was uh, a bit like three jobs at the same time, which I loved every minute of, but only possible because of the strength of the team and those, uh, those areas that, that made it all work. Yeah, good stuff. Well, Jim, I've got a couple more great mystery questioners here that are going to help me unpack your superpowers. So Let's listen to this next one and uh, let us know who this is. And it's a, another great question. Hi, Jim. The role of the CIO has evolved over recent years from primarily being responsible for infrastructure and running technology for the business to becoming a major influencer in business strategy and a driver in business transformation. How have you seen this role of CIO develop during your career? And why do you think it's important for the productivity of the business? I think the voice, I want to double check. It sounds like Lori Page, um, but it sounds like she has a cold. And so, so it sounds, and now Lori Page is um, um, absolutely amazing. She is, um, you know, she is someone I've, I've worked with since the day I arrived at Cengage. I think the absolute world of her, I would say she has my, been my partner in crime, um, you know, in, even in our uh, authoring of a, uh, of a small book together um, calling the GTS Journey, we documented that journey together. Um, I know Lori likes to give me all the credit for that, but it is something that um, I and her are super proud of. And it's literally that, that journey that you go on when you join a company. And we started that from the day I arrived until we got through some of the big transformations over at Cengage. And so um, I'm not sure exactly what to do with the book. Um, now that we have it, but it is a, um, it's a great playbook and I've handed it off to particularly new and old CIOs to help them guide their path. Um, so it is a good playbook. Um, so getting to Lori's question as I think the evolution, if I understood it right, the evolution of the CIO in the 20 plus years I've been doing this type of work is really profound, you know, and it depends a bit on the industry and the willingness to be part of that journey at a company. But I would say that the big changes are, is that it's gone from being a supportive technology role about enabling technology to work. So if you go in the back a decade or two, you know, keeping a data center or even creating a data center and getting it running and keeping it running was a component of a full-time job, not something we worry as much about. When you think about um, even personal computers and technologies and, you know, Blackberries, and there's a whole core component to just keeping things working or what I call trains on time. And in the earlier days, I think that the role of the CIO and the CTO was about keeping these trains on time, whether it was writing programs, supporting software out of the box, or data centers, or supporting people using technology was the preponderance of what you did. And now if you fast forward, many of those things have evolved and changed, but the focus has got more into 
how do you support the business and the enterprise to make things happen for the company's best interest? So how do you enable a strategy? And so when I think about one that we went through at Cengage is when I think about, you know, Cengage Unlimited, where one of the primary reasons that I had joined Cengage was how do we change what's happening in the learning industry? The notion of a $400 textbook is an awful idea. And when I met Michael Hansen and George Moore originally, and they said that, I was like, I completely agree with these people. As a father of four who were in college, I completely agree. And getting on this mission to, can we create a subscription service that allows both easy access to our products, both our software and our books, for an affordable price by semester? I was hooked. And the sense of us creating that technology to be able to make that possible so you could say to you know, students throughout this country in higher ed is that we will give you 22,000 book titles, 600 pieces of software for roughly $125 per semester. You know, it's a real game changer. And so when you think about, again, being a CIO and CTO, it's not about keeping the lights on in the data center because you do have to keep the cloud working. You do have to make sure that you're releasing products properly. You do have to do all of those things, albeit differently. But what in addition to trains on time, you have to be able to be a strategic contributor towards the mission of the company. And I think that is something I am thrilled that the team and I have had the opportunity to do at Cengage. And um, it's made a difference, made a difference for the team. I think it's made a difference when I think about the millions of students today who have benefited from both that savings and the simplicity of what we created. I love this story. You know, since we met, Jim, you've always been passionate about, you know, who the North Star is. Um, you've always been passionate about blowing up the business model, the operating model, you know, how you operate. It's just just impressive what 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 you and the team are doing there. And, you know, thank you, Laura. I know you're a great partners in crime. What's the title of the book, Jim, that you that you co-authored? It's the um it's the GTS playbook and um I will uh, I will send you a copy of it, Dan. And uh, it's our it's our journey from um, call it 2017 to 2020, and it is literally from the day I arrived at Cengage, everything we did from renaming the group um, to putting in inspiration. Because when I joined the company, they had just gone through kind of a large offshoring of a lot of their colleagues. And so when I joined the company, I think that had started about four months prior to my arrival. And for people who have been through that, it is it's difficult for people to get their head around what does this mean and how does this work and how do I continue to work and how do I think about these resources as my colleagues and my partners, not as someone who took a job away from me? How do you continue to work in that way? And so it takes you through that entire journey um, in addition to us replacing a number of the systems, putting in tools and processes to make things happen. How do you do allocation of capital how do we introduce the principle of having a technology investment portfolio of like, there's a technology investment that's required. How do we prioritize these? How do we collect these information? How do we make sure that we prioritize the right ones for the business strategies and ensure that we're supporting those? So yeah, it gets into that. I will send you a copy of it, Dan. And um, yeah, I'd love to get your feedback. Yeah, I'd love to, uh, love to read it. I uh, definitely want to share it out and uh, we'll put it in the show notes so people can... Uh... And take advantage of your playbook because it's it's a pretty darn good you know the 
the proof's in the pudding. And I know what the pudding looks like, Jim. So it's pretty, pretty darn good. Uh, you're too um, kind. Yeah. You know, you're very cognizant of the fact that as leaders, senior leaders, we're always being watched, you know, how we, how we operate, how we speak, you know, and, uh, this next mystery questioner, I think it's just a good example of what happens when you do all this well, what, what gets noticed. So let's, let's tee up this third question. And, uh, Again, tell us who this is, and you'll have fun with this question. When you're seen as a transformational leader with high trust within an organization, you're often gifted more responsibilities than your role would assume. And from what I've seen of you, you've worn many hats and have had many different various responsibilities, not just within the Cengage organization, but to also help run others like InfoSec now that we're part of the family. You know, this is a huge superpower that you possess. How is it that you prioritize and manage your time? and still get things done, and quite well, I might add. Yeah, it's, uh, what a great human being. Um, Jared, um, Jared Nace is the, uh, he's the vice president of sales, uh, of global sales for um, InfoSec Institute. Um, and he is one of those people that is just amazing at what he does, but he's also an incredible human being, which uh, I love it when those two things come together. Um, I appreciate his compliment. I. I I don't think it is. Uh, I would argue that um, this is both a superpower and a super weakness. I, I think that, you know, we all struggle. I do think some advice that I got um, when I took on this additional job was, you know, what do those CEOs and presidents of divisions do? And what's the most important thing to do? And one of my mentors said, relentless prioritization. And I was really, really important that I applied this during this time in my life. And I really was so excited about this opportunity, what I would learn, what I would gain from this, what I was doing to be able to help the company at a time of need. Um, and basically saying, you know, I was one of the few people on our executive team who could step in that had a background in cybersecurity, that could step in and take this leadership, toll, leadership role at a time when we needed it. Um, but getting to kind of Jared's question or statement is I think this relentless prioritization and actually a book called Essentialism, um, which I've given to all of my key leaders, is I think a core component to that is that finding this things that matter, things that you have to prioritize, and particularly in the technology space where I think where people really struggle, Dan, is delegation. And it's hard to delegate when you don't have a strong team. When I think about my successes, um, throughout my career, I can look around and in every single case, I can see an incredibly strong team, either one that I inherited and to help develop, like I've done here at Cengage, or one that I've created from scratch, li largely like I had done at SolidWorks. And so when you think about that, that, that investment in time in creating an amazing team allows you to do this relentless prioritization because you know the team can take it. You know the team can allow you to delegate and hand things off and never look back. When I talk to other leaders, that is such a big problem for so many is that they hand stuff off and then they have to go check on it and go double check and then help narrate it and help work through it. And when you have an incredibly strong team, which I've had the pleasure of, again, having with me and creating is that you can hand off and forget about it. And that allows you to do this relentless prioritization. I might rename the podcast now. That's uh, that's powerful right there. And uh, Jared, really great question. And 
you know, Jim, you, you mentioned InfoSec a little bit earlier, but I'd love to have you just maybe come up, d- double click on it. It's a company, Cengage acquired. I mean, obviously very strategic, very important, but why should CIOs and CISOs know about InfoSec? InfoSec Institute, again, been around for about um, 20 years now. We acquired the company two and a half years ago. Um, has two distinct businesses within the business. One is a cybersecurity bootcamp that provides bootcamp certifications all throughout the country um, for everything you can imagine, CISSP, CMMC2. Um, we have lots of government agencies that come through the bootcamp program. We have lots of consulting agencies and experts inside of the cybersecurity organizations that will come out and get our bootcamp programs. In many cases, these programs are required to allow them to work on certain projects, particularly government related. So when you think about it, this is the best teaching the best. And so that bootcamp business is really, really incredible. And for those people that are familiar with other organizations and um, that do this type of training, I would argue InfoSec Institute is in the top one, two, or three in the nation that do this work. And that team out there, you know, with uh, Keytron Evans and Scott Fredrickson, just do an incredible job in delivering those boot camps. Then additionally, there's an awareness program that is content creation at its finest. And so what I mean by that is when you think about your cybersecurity awareness program that everybody has to go through, um, you have phishing simulations that in our email, we all get them that says, click here, and we're trying to trick you to click here. Every CISO knows what I'm talking about. And you do that to try to help educate your employees. And then what we hear back is that, oh, great, I got caught in the click thing. I got a one-way ticket to some boring training. The team led by Stephen Cottonelli out at InfoSec who came out of LA, came out of the TV industry, created some incredible award-winning content. So tele awards like line the walls of InfoSec Institute of awards they have won for their content. And what they've done is they've taken what people think is a boring mandatory training and they have made it creative and interesting with new characters, some that are animated, some that are cast with real actors, um, you know, there's currently one out there called Work Bites, um, which has a whole vampire theme to it. I mean, it is, it is just incredible. I encourage you to go take a look at it. It takes this boring delivery of somebody standing and telling you what you should and shouldn't do. It makes it an interesting narrative that you will remember. And so um, it, again, in that spirit of learning, different modality, but the same idea prevails, which is new and creative ways to help teach and retain things that are taught to you. Um, This group does an amazing job of that. Such an important thing at an important time, right? To have that vehicle. And and, uh, so I'm glad to shine the light on them. And, you know, something that you and I've talked a lot about, Jim, and I'll kind of encapsulate it, uh, Lightcast based there in Boston near near SunGage. You know, they they do the CyberSeq research for the feds and and whatnot, but they found that only 22% of cyber leaders today have prior management experience, right? That's a that's a problem, right? And so, you know, probably we're making some some news here for the first time publicly, but we're going to be collaborating together to address that twenty two percent, right? To help 
CISOs and CEOs build a stronger cyber leadership team. Yeah, and you and I have talked about this for a while, Dan. I mean, I think that this is a brilliant combination and overdue, which is taking one of the best cybersecurity awareness and training programs on the planet and marrying that up with some of the management techniques and practices that you've been teaching people for years, um, I think is the perfect marriage to get CISOs ready and for those that are in the job to keep them ready for what's coming their way. Um, I, I think you and I have violent agreement about the convergence of these two things are so important for that next generation CISO leaders. Um, yeah, I'm excited about what that can bring. Yeah, there's some fun things there. Look forward to uh, announcing more of it. And, you know, Jim, I want to pivot our conversation a little bit to uh, people always love to learn from the expressions, the narrative, right? This, the Jimisms, those things you use to uh, communicate uh, uh, your vision, your, your messages. And so I often highlight that we do operate in a VUCA world today, right? So there's volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity. Um, and, you know, we're, we're constantly being challenged. So this makes your gymism relating to dealing with complexity to me, so, so rich. So if, if you know what I mean, can you, can you share that and talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I think that I, um, I'm sure if it's a gymism or not, but I think that one of the things I talk about is companies, organizations, and areas that celebrate in complexity. And I think that it is, um, I'm not sure that people understand it at the time. You know, I, I like to believe that when I go into any situation, any company, um, that people went into what they created and what they did with their best intentions. They were doing what they thought was the right thing for the business at the time. And it's only typically after decades of those best intentions that kind of create the spaghetti, create the complexity, and really requires some unwinding or really rethinking about how you think about the business. And to do that, um, I found some good luck with a process called Simplify, Automate, Accelerate. Um, and I believe it so much that I trademarked it. And so, and the reason I trademarked it was actually years ago, but the, the idea was less about whether you were, it was to my conviction around how important this is, not just at a company, which I was at at the time, but all companies, to really get through that notion that if you can simplify something, your ability to automate it and then accelerate it is, can be life-changing from a business delivery perspective. And it's usually hidden in the bowels of a company where they don't understand that this complexity exists and that by simplifying it will be this enormous unlock to accelerate their business, improve profitability, improve EBITDA, get to a place where you can create a better run, better operating business because you went into the heart of it and really looked at the simplification of it. And I'll use one example that I've seen at most, most several of the companies I've worked at, which is the notion of something as simple as attributes on a SKU. When you think about how many products you sell and you so go from my background of lots of software products to now lots of book products. And often what I've seen is businesses will just generate a new product, a unique number. In our case, in the book industry, that's called an ISBN. In my past company, that was a part number for a software product. But thinking about differentiating how you have a core product with attributes off of it, something as simple as that change, as subtle as that change, 
can ease the idea of your configure price quote systems, can ease your training delivery for your sales organization, can ease the delivery of the products you're giving to your customer, can ease the product of what you're invoicing. This one simple change can fundamentally change how a business operates and how it thinks. And it's at the core of what we do. And so I think that's why it's so important to me is that when you can do that right, then you can truly get this benefit of the flywheel accelerating. And so I think that's at the core of my um, celebrate complexity into simplicity. I love that you trademarked that simplify, accelerate, automate. Brilliant. That's just brilliant. And uh, the idea of celebrating complexity and uh, your colleague, Whitney began told me, uh, speaking of celebrating, that you recently had your uh, town hall where you had some awards. It sounded like it was a pretty special occasion, Jim. So what was it like in that event that day? Yeah, so we do a annual um, town hall event. And as many technology leaders know, it's hard to get everybody together because the trains on time requires everybody to be working all the time. So we know we only get one time a year to bring people together. And we just did this down in our distribution center in Independence, Kentucky. And we talked about the transformation we're going through at Cengage to really become a great company. We're a good company that can be great and can be even better. And I think that we have been challenging ourselves lately to really think about how do we improve everything that we do? How do we get these unlocks in every area of the company? How do we really focus on delivering those things as an organization? And as I just described, the technology teams are at the heart of enabling those changes often. And I don't think they necessarily see the power that they have in that transformation. And so we talked as a group a bit about that and establishing a vision to focus on those areas. And I think that when you think about how do we optimize all that we do, and then how do we continue to innovate in a way that whether we're leveraging AI or whether we're leveraging new ways of thinking, but innovating on everything from commercial business models to new technologies, when I think about even delivering on the notion of low code and no code, really starting to fundamentally change what, what is necessary for what we create and making sure that we're leveraging the right technology for the right future situation. It is very easy to get stuck into that original tech stack, the things that you have built, the things that you have deployed and live with the legacy that you've created without taking a step back and challenging yourself. And then I say the final thing is that really making sure that we're securing the enterprise and doing the things that we do with this amazing cybersecurity team that we've assembled in two fronts, both about protecting those 36 million attacks we get every quarter against Cengage and our affiliate companies, but also making sure that we're thinking about compliance and governance. State ramp compliance is important. Fed ramp compliance is important. GDPR is important. These things are growing. They're getting bigger, not smaller. We need to be prepared to deal and address with all of those things. And so when I think about how we attack and manage these things, Dan, I think that allows us to rally the team around the work that we need to do. I think the part that was that I love about these events as well is that we also have what we call um, GTS All-Stars. And we go back through 
the programs and the projects, and we recognize the teams that have done this incredible work. And I know that for you and many of your viewers perhaps will know that a lot of the work that we do takes months or years to see them materialize. And people need to be inspired and motivated and supported along that journey. When you put together a five-year plan, which we have, having some progress along the way that the team knows that two years into a project, that they need to still keep going. They need to still keep and recognizing their efforts and their energy and what they put into it. Um, and then I think one of the highlights of the meeting was um, we have a um, what we call an award of excellence. Um, and it's just one. And I give it out once a year. And it's in memory of someone that we lost um, four years ago, a gentleman named Barry Gayhart. And um, Barry Gayhart was one of these amazing people on the team um, who not just did incredible work, but he was an incredible human. He was nice to everyone. He helped everyone. He trained half the people that are still in that department. And he did it with a smile on his face. And when we were going into COVID to try to get 5,000 people into their homes and working, Barry was one of these people that was working literally day and night. Um, and unfortunately, we lost him way too early in his life. And um, I committed at that point, and we did as a team, that he is someone that all of us aspire to be more like. And each year, we would recognize someone that epitomized and represented Barry. And uh, this year, it was a gentleman named Bill Danhauser, who I couldn't say enough, enough nice things about. Um, but Bill Danhauser uh, is this year's recipient of that award. And I think, um, yeah, it's, it's good to do great work. It's great to do great work and be a good human being in the process. And there's a difference. We would have loved to have been in the room that day. That's, that's special. Congratulations, Bill, and the team. And, you know, last one, I, you know, just kind of unpacked your, how you set your team up to think about approaching problems. How you get your team to tackle problems? What's your gymism around around that? I think it is the, um, you know, there's so much advice that you collect along the way on this area. As I think for me, it's being clear about the vision and establishing where you're trying to get to and being clear on what that outcome is that you're seeking. I think often people get tied up in knots with the current customer the current problem, the individual I associate with the work that I'm doing, and they lose sight to the bigger vision for both the company and the department. And I think in many cases, when you can lock in on that vision, you'll often find that it may be bigger than some of the people that are directly in front of you. And it's in your best interest, because you think about it, it's, it's your, your advice in the company's best interest. That's what we're there to do, right? That's why we're employed by these companies. And I think that not losing sight of that and having a vision established on where you're going and how you're going to get there and leaving it there the entire time, regardless of what the project is. Because many of these projects need to ladder up to what that outcome and that objective is. And often I find that people get so confused about their specific project, their specific outcome, and not realize how incredibly important it is that these things ladder up or lattice up together because you have these interdependencies that are so important today. Um, and so I think that's clearly some of the advice, Dan, that I have given um, the team. And I think that it is, um, it's helpful in setting that guidance, you know, set guide guardrails or guidelines kind of to help people stay in that because it is so easy in this, these jobs, in the technology teams to get so easily distracted by 
the person in front of you, the conversation that you're having, the immediate market need. I mean, if we listened, if we listened in January about what we should do as a company with AI, we would have made the same thing that Chegg did. We would have thrown something out there that was built on all of our content and we would give students answers for $20 a month. That would be the easy thing to do. It would also be the wrong thing to do. It's not about the legacy of this company. It's not what we were built to do. And so having some forethought is so, so important about these decisions. And I would use that as one example. It's like, you know, as much pressure was bearing down on me and the team to like, we should have something out there because others do. Of course you feel that, but not to the point where it's detrimental to your overall structure and your values as a company. Such good advice, Jim. I mean, really, it's uh, every C-level executive was feeling that heat from their their boards, right? They were getting the questions, what are we doing? Um, calm minds need to prevail there, and they did at Cengage, as always. So, uh, Jim, I have one more mystery question for you uh, from somebody, good good friend of yours. Uh, you're going to love this question for because of who it is and, and what it's about. So let's listen in. Hi, Jim. You've made some incredible contributions in the world of education as part of your role at Cengage. You also, however, extend yourself outside of the office with organizations such as Apprenti, an organization that I have tremendous respect for and we have worked with significantly in my organization as well. So my question is, can you share with us what guidance and advice you offered to the young aspiring individuals you worked with at Apprenti? Bob Solis, um, great to hear. Um, Bob, he is this incredible human being that is just so bright and so humble. Um, he would he would not admit that. Um, him and I have been part of the uh, the Boston CIO network together, and um, Boston, you know, he's been the chairman of that organization, and I am thrilled to be um, part of it. I've learned something new every time I've been with him in that uh, in that network. So I am, um, you know, his work over at MIT Lincoln Labs, I think, is uh, a testimony to how incredibly bright. He and that team is. So um, getting to his question, as yeah, I am a huge fan of Apprenti and the Apprenticeship Network and um, and across the board. As I think, you know, I've had the distinct pleasure of being down at the White House as part of um, the recognition for what we're doing for cybersecurity professionals and the apprenticeship program last year, as well as many years now, um, seven years um, working with apprentices. And so you wouldn't find a bigger fan on the planet about what we're trying to do here. And so um, the advice that I've given many of them and most of them don't need it. Um, so first and foremost, these will be the most loyal and dedicated people that you have ever met. Um, most of them will pinch themselves every time they see you and say, I can't believe I had this opportunity to apply my skills, have an investment from an employer to help me develop my skills, and then actually get a job and a full-time job that pays me well. Um, and so my advice to them is, you have gotten through the hardest part. That was the hardest part. So you've already made this demonstrable progress that so few people can do. So now it's about building and accelerating from where you are moving forward. And we've seen this. I mean, we literally have apprentices in our program now that joined as an apprentices and have not gotten one, two, three promotions. You know, we have full-time software developers that are 
shoulder to shoulder with other software developers in the organization today as a result of that. Same thing on a cybersecurity team, right? So it's the, about that ability to get in, continue to educate and develop. You know, there's one or two of them um, that have just continued to rack up the certifications beyond that, where they are kind of at the top of the crop in regards to the amount of cyber certifications that they have because they continue to imply themselves every day. And um, yeah, I, I couldn't be a bigger fan of the program and of the people. Um, the advice from me to them is keep growing because you have these incredible opportunities out in front of you. And um, yeah, um, I'm just so amazed by these people. I really am. Well, many thanks to you and Bob and others who really make this program happen, support it. Uh, your company's benefit, you're getting the uh, these loyal, talented people in your companies. And so uh, this next question might be easy for you then, Jim. Uh, you know, we, as you know, we, we um, have committed $150,000 a year in scholarships to our leadership programs. And we give our guests the ability to gift a seat in one of their nonprofits. You do an awful lot. So maybe, maybe it's not easy for you because you, you're so, uh, so involved. But who would you like to gift a scholarship to, Jim? And, uh, and I like to make it our Cyber LX leadership program because, you know, you and I have the cyber thing in common as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I, think I have to give it to Apprenti. I have been such a big fan of this program. And, you know, I was one of the original five organizations to sign on to bring Apprenti into the state of Massachusetts, um, working with Reiner Gallick. And at the time, um, she is now Secretary Jones, um, but she was the original, um, you know, leader of bringing Apprenti into Massachusetts. And so I'm... Um, yeah, they would be the organization I would pick. I'd have to. Um, so that's uh, that's where I would love that to go. And I love that you do that, Dan. And I think it's a, it's an incredible gesture for you to be giving away something that valuable. And I suspect that's an organization that will truly benefit from it. I love it. I love it. That's a, that's a great call. And, and uh, we'll definitely get them plugged in on our website and all the social media so they get the attention they deserve. And, and that'll, we'll have a lot of fun with that. Well, so we're kind of winding down here. And, um, you know, last question for you, uh, fast forward in the future, you know, you're, you're retired. I know you're a very young guy, so this is a long way away, but you're retired, you're enjoying the next chapter, whatever that holds for you. What will Jim Chilton's legacy be? You know, if I said it another way, you know, what will you consider to be your greatest success? Gosh, my greatest success, um, will have to be my children. Um, you know, I mean, I think I have um, four amazing children um, who, you know, I um, like every, I guess like every parent is that I couldn't be more proud of their individual and collective accomplishments. Um, they are great and incredible at what they do, um, but I would agree it's also important about how they do it. And so, um, yeah, that would be, and then I, I could add on, I think, you know, when I look back over my career so far, Dan, you know, the people that I've had the pleasure and opportunity to lead, and when I watch them get to the CIO role, the CISO role, the CTO role, the COO role, I mean, I am just humbled by their excellence. I am thrilled to have been part of their journey. And um, yeah, but children first um, would absolutely be the case. And then after that, the people on my teams from years past, I think is um, 
is definitely what I would reflect back upon. Great. Yeah, that's a great response. You know, and I, I you made me think uh, the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. So I'm sure those four Chilton kids are going to go on to do their own great things. And so good, good luck to them. And, you know, Jim, you know, it has been a long time coming and uh, the expression, good things come to those who wait. So uh, that's how I'm feeling today. Like this podcast was just a gift and, and uh, just so amazing to shine the light on you. You're just so humble and, but just great, great stories. Uh, the leadership journey is just uh, pretty unique. We definitely want to get your book out there. Uh, the BTS playbook has so much to learn from that. Yeah, I think, like I said, I'm happy to share it with people. Like I said, the the intention of the book at the time was um, we were we were working on a merger with McGraw Hill that ultimately the Department of Justice stepped in and stopped. Um, but the idea that we created the book for was we would have all these new team members that would come in from another company. And I wanted them to be up to speed quickly without feeling like they were, everything was a foreign language to them and different acronyms and all of that. So the spirit of the book was like, here's how you will quickly find out in a hundred pages or less, how we work, how things happen, what are the terms and acronyms that we use. And then that way it would accelerate their onboarding process. Um, now the Department of Justice stepped in and ruined that for me, but yeah, but ultimately that was the intention. and. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm happy to share it. And like I said, I've shared it with some people. They found it to be super, super helpful as they're stepping into either remind themselves of those core things that you do when you join, you know, kind of think of that first year into a new job. It's super, super helpful. I'm sure I've been told super helpful in establishing that for, uh, for new or existing leaders. Everybody thinks they're ready until they yeah. get in the chair and it's like the reality sets in, right? Yeah. So, uh, exactly. What does Mike Tyson say? Everybody's got a plan to get punched in the face. And you get so, punched in the <laughs> face. Yeah. Changes <laughs> everything gives you. Yeah. Well. Jim Chill, thanks so much for allowing us to learn from your special leadership journey, your leadership philosophies. And now folks can really appreciate why I titled the podcast, The Cream Always Rises to the Top, or as the French say, La Creme de la Creme. So uh, fortunately, everyone knows that Jim and I will, next week, we'll publish a blog on my CIO.com uh, page, CIO Whisper. So we've got some other great things to unpack. I really want to unpack your learnings, Jim, uh, as a PL leader. I mean, you you just ooze business. Uh, it wasn't a surprise to me that you were selected for the InfoSec GM role. And uh, we want to really unpack that and how that's made you a better uh, overall business leader and, and technology leader. So... Thanks so much, Jim, and uh, good luck to you and your family. You've been listening to Tech Whispers, inside the playbook of the best digital leaders, a Woolette and Associates podcast. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show, as this helps us connect the world's best digital leaders with those who aspire to learn, grow, and thrive in this amazing profession. Thanks for listening. Until next time.